Clean, non-toxic, plant-based, and made in California. Earth source skin and body care that elevates your vibe. We feel best when we're living clean and simple with products that fit our conscious lifestyle. The average hair product has over 30 ingredients, consisting primarily of alcohols, toxins, and other junk. Jack Henry's best-selling clay pomade has a total of four ingredients, organic French lavender and MCT oil, beeswax, and bentonite clay. These ingredients nourish your hair and scalp while giving your hair an all-day hold, humidity and sweat resistant while adding thickness, texture, and volume. Visit jackhenry.co and enter promo code TWF at checkout for 20% off your order. The way forward is to respect the law of free will, to encourage mind, body, and spirit wellness, to promote love, compassion, and understanding, to be of service to others, and to honor the inherent sacred connection between all things. first met you I mean virtually met you because we haven't even actually met yet but I first found out about you through seeing I think Sayer repost one of your videos Pete Evans repost one of your videos and my mom repost one of your videos and uh I was like I wasn't sure what to think about you but then I saw you <laughs> but then I, but then I saw you wearing the Roger Federer Jordan uh Jordan tennis shoes that look yeah, just like the Jordan threes and I was like all right this dude's cool. I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm just playing. I, your videos are absolutely awesome. But thanks, brother. Yeah, and I'm I'm super pumped to have you on. So since we don't have a ton of time, because I know you got to go, let's go ahead and get. Are, are we on? Are we on? Yeah, we're on right now. <laughs> First off, are you sure you want to hang out with me on a Saturday night? Just so everyone knows, this is Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know, so um, I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm your date for tonight. You're it, man. You're it. And you're looking good. Your hair, lo- your hair is looking good. <laughs> your teeth are looking good. Dude, you just look good. Um, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Made my night. So if you wouldn't mind just giving a brief background on yourself, aside from your bio that I read in the intro, um, just sort of how you got into psychiatry and then what made you transition from just a standard psychiatric approach to a more holistic approach? Yeah. So the first part of that, I mean, I wish I could tell you that like all my life growing up as a kid, you know, I had this uh, burning desire to save humanity and help mankind and people who are sick and all this stuff. But um, no, I just grew up dirt poor, you know, in the ghettos of Philly. My parents were dry cleaners. Um, I had this moment, bro. Like, so if I could just be clearly honest about my background, like I had this moment one time when I was a kid, um, I think I was in middle school. 
and I woke up and it was like so cold in my house. It was freezing. My parents didn't um, turn on the heat mm -hmm. <laughs> during the winter time. So I woke up and I just remember thinking like, I can't take a shower right now because it's too cold. I had like thermal underwear on and pajamas and everything. And I said, I got to make some money, man. And then for some reason, I decided that doctor uh, was it for me. And then also, I mean, growing up as like one of the few Asian kids in an all-white high school, um, got picked on a lot, all the shit. Um, so for some reason, I had it in my mind that becoming a doctor and making a living would solve all my problems, you know. And uh, I worked really hard. You know, pain really drove me to uh, do things that a lot of people were not willing to do. And by the time I... Um, I guess I uh, got into college, um, I did pretty well. I did pretty well and I got into medical school, but when you go into medical school for the wrong reasons, you know, uh, when mm -hmm. it's not purposeful, uh, that willpower of making like money and uh, having status, um, it's not gonna cut it. You know? So I actually went into medical school thinking that I was gonna become a pediatrician because I thought that was a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then after I got a little taste of it, I was like, fuck this, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not, not really, I love kids, you know, but I'm not really big on uh, treating um, kids who are screaming when you're trying to look into their ears for an ear infection. So I dropped out for about three years. Um, I, I, I actually told the dean that I didn't want to be a part of this anymore. Mm. Dean said, why don't you uh, take three years off, you know, to take a, a, a medical leave of absence, think some of this shit through. Were you doing pretty well at that time? Like when No, you man, I was like doing uh, really bad, really, really bad, like straight D's, literally. Okay. You know? Um, I was like the only one in my med school that failed the national board exam twice. <laughs> you know, it's like embarrassing shit, really. I mean, you just weren't, you weren't in it though. Your, your head and your mind and your soul weren't in it, right? Exactly, exactly. My, my, my head, my, my heart, my soul just wasn't in it. I, I was in it for the wrong reasons. That's what I'm saying. So I actually took three years off to pursue a music career. So if you see like my video edits and like there's always some music in the background, the timing and all that, that's all from like my music production days. Like I was That's making, awesome. Yeah, I was making like techno dance music and shit. <laughs> That's fact, awesome. Bro, one of the songs that I made with my partner at the time, uh, we called ourselves The Standard. Mm -hmm. And um, it, our song got played in Ibiza. And we actually saw the video of people like dancing to their song. We were like, we made it. We didn't make <laughs> it done. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So, after so someone about, just took, took your stuff and kind of ran with it then, it seems like. Um, I, I guess, I think that's what the, well, the, the if, if you have a, a DJ who's playing a bunch of other people's music and stuff, they get all the okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah. get the, the credit for it, you know? Got so you. it's kind of standard in that industry. So after about three years of like being a starving artist and doing a lot of drugs, um, doing crazy shit during, during my music days, but I did understand what it's like to get high and what it's like to detox and come off of all this shit. I also learned how to connect with other people on a socially mm -hmm. social level because there's like so many different levels of intelligence or people who are like really good with math, verbal fluency, there's athletic intelligence, but there's social intelligence also that I learned during like just being out in the streets and being a musician and stuff. So then when I came back, um, cause uh, I was like sick and tired of being hungry and <laughs> being a starving artist. Um, it made sense to me to go into um, something in the realm of mental health and addictions from my own experiences. And then at that point, now it's like purposeful, like, man, I overcame like some serious shit with drugs. I mm -hmm. overcame tremendous emotional pain. And I actually think that I have a, a, I figured out a way to help people out. So when you come in with purpose, there's a saying that purpose is, is, is powerful, right? So, so hence uh, that allowed me to help 
get through medical school. It's, it was still very painful, but um, I got through it. So that's so that how was, I that was the point that you okay, yeah. So that was the point that you chose psychiatry, and then how long were you practicing as a psychiatrist before you like what happened that made you realize okay, this traditional approach of psychiatry is not working? Yeah. So when you go into medical school, the first four years. Um, everyone has to take the same courses. Everyone has to take um, pediatrics, surgery, gynecology, internal medicine, infectious diseases. They got to take all the same things. It's after the four years of, of medical school that you go into residency, three to four years of residency, where you specialize in the field that you choose. So I chose psychiatry. And somewhere, I think it was like my third year of psychiatry residency, and I was practicing just the way that they taught me. I didn't know any better. You know, we're in this matrix of this narrative that, you know, if you are sick, then you need a prescription chemical to get you better. You know what I mean? And I think in my third year or so, I read this book by this doctor, um, uh, Dr. Joel Furman. He is mm -hmm. the New York Times bestselling author of this book called Eat to Live. Mm -hmm. And I read one of his books called Disease Proof Your Child. And that's that the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. You read mm -hmm. that book? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the... I feel like he like took me out of the matrix and said, Hey, look, you know, your body's basically made up with like fat, protein, water, minerals. And it, it depends on what kind of stuff that you're putting into your body that makes up who you are. So if you feel like garbage, you got to examine what you're eating because your body composition is probably not very good. So that was the first moment that I had this like enlightening experience, like, Holy shit, you know, like medical school never really taught me how to be healthy. It always talked about disease. And if you're sick, then here are some things that we could, Due to tone down the symptoms, but it never really taught me about nutrition and exercise and like mindfulness techniques and connecting with the right people and spirituality, like all that shit that like could really heal people, right? Mm -hmm. We never learn anything. Maybe like 5%, maybe at most 8%, man, but it, I would say greater than 90% was all, you know, disease driven uh, model. Oh, so that's, that was the first step to answer your question of how I kind of started thinking more holistically that there has to be a different way of looking at the person as a whole. Mm -hmm. of like, okay, you're depressed, you have the symptom, then we have to give you this chemical to alleviate the symptom, which ultimately we know by now, Alec, that symptoms from our body are ultimately a form of communication, right? Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I won't go into the whole spiel about my mom, but I mean, my mom was, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, abused by the psychiatry industry for a long, long, long time, because like she experienced immense amount of trauma, as did I, uh, growing up, witnessing and sort of feeling what <clears throat> what happened in my adolescence. But yeah, mm. seeing seeing my mom transition from being in and out of mental hospitals, trying to commit suicide multiple times in mental hospitals to healing within like four to six months and completely reversing in, in a matter, like after being like that for 15 to 20 years and then mm. reversing in six months and seeing the side of my mom I haven't seen since I was like 10 was so eye-opening to me. So yeah, I, I went down the whole rabbit hole of questioning everything about allopathic medicine and everything. So your mother, Ali Zek is a hero, man. That woman <laughs> is a hero and she's my, uh, my mainstream media, just so you know, like people <laughs> like her, Chef Pete Evans, uh, Grace Vandercombe. There's so many cool people on, um, IG that I follow. Even you too, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot from you guys. So keep it up, man. Cause <laughs> thank you. <laughs> If, you're, if your accounts get banned, I'm not sure where I'm going to get my news from. Seriously. Dude, and that could absolutely happen here really soon, which is really unfortunate. But so when, when you sort of started adopting this um, more holistic approach, 
and implementing it with some of your patients. Did you start seeing pretty like verifiable like differences immediately or? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, man, is my friends who I don't see anymore because they're all believing in this mainstream narrative. So they're, you know, like I asked my friend to hang out with me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, sorry, man, like, you know, I'm not coming down. It's like some of my closest friends, you know, same thing happens. Now, <clears throat> so I get it. But these guys, when we used to hang out in person, um, they would make fun of me because they're like, wait a second, time out, man. So you make a living based on teaching people how to take better care of themselves and they pay you for that shit. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's a little bit more detailed than that. <laughs> but yeah, truthfully, bro. Like if people just learn to like sleep right, eat right, exercise the mind and body right, learn to have some fun, um, connect with the right people spiritually themselves, they really wouldn't have to see someone like me. You know, most psychiatrists would be out of business if, if people just understood the basic elements of taking care of oneself. Mm-hmm. So, but that's great though, because someone would say, I actually, dude, true story, man. I actually had a doctor friend of mine saying like, well, if you get your patients um, healthier and help them become their number one doctors, because that's my big, big thing, right? Like empower people to become yeah. their number one healers, then aren't you going to go out of business? And I'm like, you stupid motherfucker. Like that's <laughs> the mentality of a businessman like you yes repeat income and it's fucking cynical you know like that's how you think but truthfully this is why i'm such a spiritual person because the karma is amazing when you Mm. help people get off of prescription medications and i i am guilty i want to say guilty but i do prescribe medications for some people Mm -hmm. okay so one size doesn't fit all but the vast majority of people that are being prescribed are over medicated and misdiagnosed so when they come when they're not feeling good from these uh medications anymore and i help them get off of it um it, it's amazing how um, the karma comes back in such a positive way because mm-hmm. these people that become their number one healers, now they're telling all their friends, hey, go see this uh, Dr. Yi guy. And so I get free marketing just based on doing good work for people. So yeah. I've never had to advertise in my life. Or That's my so business. cool. That's so cool. I, I, it's, better, I like- it's a better business model. You know what I'm saying? It's a more pure. Um, it's authentic. Little, yeah. It's authentic and it's, it's about actually helping people heal. And I, I like what you said. Um, cause I, again, because of my experiences, I tend to be more on the side of like, I don't trust allopathic medicine at all. I don't trust pharmaceuticals at all, but I like how you said there, like in some situations I prescribe patients, some you know, like what benzodiapines, SSRIs and, and other things if, if, if need be in, in acute situations though. Right. Yeah. So for example, like, let's just say, um, so part of my residency was, um, like rotating through the emergency room, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, psychiatry emergency um, experiences. And if someone's like ha- tripping on Coke, let's just say, yeah. or they smoke crystal meth and they're fucking high as a kite and they're paranoid that like everyone's out to get them and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might need to give that person a medication to chill them the fuck out so that they yeah. can get sleep. And then the next day I could say, bro, like, have you considered going to rehab? I mean, I wouldn't pitch like that, but um, you know, then we could have an honest conversation. But at that point, um, I will agree that there are so many like cool preventative measures, right? To mm-hmm. even get to that point of like acute panic or psychosis where maybe someone could do, can take better, much better care of themselves. If someone's having an acute anxiety attack and, but they know how to meditate, for example, right? Then if they're feeling that way, they could be present minded and they could do their breathing exercises and, alleviate those symptoms but if they don't know shit about that yes i need to prescribe that guy a chemical like maybe i might need to inject them with a little bit of ativan a benzodiazepine to to put them to sleep so that the next day we could even have a an honest conversation about what's going on 
So um, I see ban uh, medications as like a band-aid for a wound. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're bleeding, we might need to put a band-aid on it to chill out the bleeding until we could get to the healing source. Um, so that's a, that's a cool way of looking at it too, because like the one thing that I do say that I, I give kudos to allopathic medicine for is its ability to like exercise acute and emergency care. So it's like taking that approach of acute and emergency care and applying it to psychiatry as a whole. And that's mm -hmm. when you use the pharmaceuticals as needed. But obviously that approach is not adopted across, across the board. Right. <laughs> and I don't think like uh, most doctors out there and psychiatrists come into medical school with bad intentions. You know, I just mm. think that they just don't know any better. Yeah, we're not really taught how to um, empower our patients and our clients to become their number one healers. We're just basically trained in a disease care model rather than healthcare. Mm -hmm. So that's the issue that we're seeing. Yeah, that makes sense. How has, here's a question I want to ask now. So we're going to transition to, to that's what's, the, the elf. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something else. <laughs> you got a juicy stuff. The elephant in the room, though. Um, so, okay, COVID nineteen. The what? Sharona. The Sharona. Yeah, as you call it. The I Sharona. refuse to say the the c word. It's so offensive. We have a female listeners here. <laughs> the Sharona. Okay. How? What? What about you yourself? Made you more easily like able to recognize what was going on for what it is. What was the first indicator for you that like, okay, something's not right here. Yeah. You know, man, that's a good question. Cause I think uh, in the months of March and April, I, I was, I bought into this. Like I didn't I know. Did what the, I don't think, I don't think anyone knew what the hell's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So I bought into it. And um, I think the first indicator was why is the mainstream media not talking about the positive shit? For example, they will show you the total, total cases, which is always going to go up, right? <laughs> yeah. And they will tell you the total death toll, which is always going to go up. But why not talk about the recovery? The people who were infected by this, that conquered this shit, why don't they point that out? And so it was very obvious to me as a psychiatrist, right? Now, I'm supposedly a quote-unquote mind expert, that when I'm watching the media, it's like, why are they only propagating fear and not... Um, instilling any uh, level of hope to the people. Mm -hmm. So that was the first uh, skepticism I had about what the hell's really going on. But then as it started you know, progressing and then these numbers, the data started coming out and then eventually got to this point where we're seeing 0.04% of the population who get affected by this can potentially die. And even that number is not fully accurate too because of the faulty testing measures of the PCR test um, and also the co comorbidities of all these people that are dying from this, right? So that's when it was a no-brainer for me when I started seeing the numbers. Mm -hmm. And then so it's it's very hurtful when um, I have close friends. You know, if I don't know somebody, then and they think that I'm a bum, it doesn't really. It goes in one ear through the other. It doesn't matter. They don't know me, right? But if someone's a close friend of mine and they know me and they understand my intentions and the kind of person that I am. And they say, dude, do you understand that you're making you as a quote unquote influencer now, you're making shit worse. Um, that fucking hurts, you know? And I'm not talking crazy shit like Hillary Clinton's drinking children's blood. Like, I don't know. I don't hang out with Hillary. I don't know any of that shit. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's what they're saying. Okay, well that's, you're, that you're entitled to your own research and your own opinions. But I'm just stating shit like, um, like this is the number, like humans, 
team human versus this uh, quote unquote virus has a 99.96 win percentage. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we're looking at a cage fight between Conor McGregor and, uh, uh, you know, his opponent and Conor McGregor has a 99.96 win percentage and uh, the opponent has a 0.04%, who would you want to bet your money on? I would put my life savings into Conor McGregor at that point. Yeah, 100%. And I just don't understand why um, this is so hard for people to understand and grasp this basic concept. And why is this being labeled as somewhat of a conspiracy? Like I, this, this is like, I'm just stating facts here at this point. I think, I think we, we do understand though, you know, it's like, it goes back to the psychological manipulation. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sorry, a, I missed that last part. Going back to the psycho, the psychological manipulation that, that yeah. goes into this. Right. And it, it it's very, very deep. Um, in that they've effectively sort of conditioned people to believe that anybody that questions anything surrounding Sharona <laughs> yeah. is synonymous with being like a super flat earther that thinks, uh, I don't know, there's like a reptilian civilization running the entire world. You know what I mean? Like right. they've, they've effectively made it so that anyone who questions this to a certain subset of people, they automatically lump us in with a category of automatically being a conspiracy theorist that is absolutely crazy. And it's really sad, you, man. Because like, tell tell the story about how like you made a TikTok, right? You were you're really influential on TikTok. Yeah, man. I had so TikTok was the most uh, influential platform that I had. You know, um, it's it's a really interesting app because you create a post and it could go nowhere. Like IG, Instagram is at, at least relatively consistent. If I post mm-hmm. something, I know I'm going to get somewhere between 10 to 30, sometimes 40,000 views or so, right? So it's relatively consistent. But on TikTok, it's like your post could get a million views or like 400. You know, mm-hmm. it's like so weird. Like I, I, I don't understand the algorithm there. But uh, I basically, do you know um, the, the iconic podcast? The iconic oh, podcast. Oh, I do not. Yeah. So there's, okay. So anyways, it wasn't even my post, bro. It was a post that I made on, uh, I believe like July the 12th. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just copied from someone else's post. And I actually asked him like, Hey, like, can I plug this? And he was like, absolutely. Like, I appreciate you, um, um, sharing my stuff. So that it, it didn't even go anywhere. I think it, it got like a few thousand views, nothing. Right. Um, and then about on, on September the 1st, it, it, I opened up my TikTok and it said that I had a community violation warning. And then I said, okay, I, I mean, this is from like, you know, over a month ago, but sure. And then about four hours later, when I opened up the app again, it said that my account was permanently deleted. So that was uh, that was a shocker, man, because I was not expecting that. Like I knew oh that God, they man. didn't like the kind of stuff that I was talking about, but everything is like based on facts. And um, the fact that, and this guy's post was basically about, does it make sense that we're locking down the whole economy and ruining families' lives and businesses over something that's um, that's not as dangerous as tuberculosis. I mean, like basic factual shit. And um, I guess the Chinese government wasn't having that with me, so it was a pretty uh, it was a wake up call that that happened. And then a co- literally a couple of days later, you know, our Green Mad Info, that's the site yeah, that we follow, God, they got banned, and I that was like two blows to my stomach back to back. I couldn't believe it. And so I don't know if you uh, noticed on my IG, but <clears throat> I created a separate telegram to talk about this kind of stuff. And on my main feeds, I'm talking about mental health and recovery because damn, man, like you, 
I don't mean to sound weak or anything, you know, but at the end of the day, when my TikTok got banned, I mean, I had people who were like, man, that really sucks, Joe, that that happened to you. But then they move on. And I'm yeah. like, shit, like I worked on this shit for like a year. Yeah. And even like Remind Info too, like I think that was the big news for about a week and then everyone just moves on. Yeah. So I'm just like, fuck, this is my only channel of voice right now. And if I say one wrong fucking thing, then I could get Green Man info here. So hence, uh, I'm really plugging my Telegram and asking people to check me out there where I'm going to go more underground kind of stuff. It's really you know, sad that like that, we're, yeah. we're having to trans- transition over to these separate platforms. And what's so frustrating about it is how selective and, and almost arbitrary, how arbitrary the community guidelines of any of these apps are, right? And then how selective they are in enforcing them. Because like, you'll see videos, you'll see people spewing the like most harmful, most gross derogatory shit. And then you're posting something that is dealing with for the most part data and your analysis of said data. <clears throat> and you're getting at first shadow banned and then completely deplatformed for it. It's insane. Well, and, and, uh, you know, like I created a supplement company called beyond recovery, right? It's like mm-hmm. a mental health, mental wellness supplement line. And on my feed, I just discovered that I could say this, this thing could fucking cure cancer. I could say whatever I want on my feed. I just can't advertise it as that, mm-hmm. uh, due to like, you know, FCC and FDA regulations, yeah. but I'm not to lie about, you know, uh, uh, something that they're, they're putting, you know, the, the people could be putting into their bodies. I could lie about that. But when I'm talking about like, Basic data, um, I guess they don't appreciate that. And so what I want to get to with you and um, your, your audience here is like listening is a very um, active process, you know? <clears throat> and if you were to tell me, and I give this example a lot. So if you were to tell me, hey, Joe, I was at the, this party and our mutual friend, um, Jake, was talking shit about you, the passive listener would be like, oh, um, that's fucked up that Jake was talking shit about me, right? But me being a psychiatrist, I will be asking, well, why did Jake feel so comfortable talking shit about me to you? Oh, yeah. Well, what, is, what is, why are you telling me this? Are you trying to, what is the purpose of you telling me this, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Like, I think people who are listening to this and watching some of the mainstream stuff, I, I asked you guys the question, why are they telling us only the bad shit and not once recovering, uh, mentioning the fact that 22.5 million people globally have recovered from this. Like, why yeah. are they not mentioning this at all? I just, there must, so my conclusion, so this is my opinion now, is that there must be some other agenda, whether it's a VA triple X agenda or some one world government shit. I don't know for certain, but there, def- there definitely is some ulterior motive behind why they're only presenting the dark side and not, you know, rays of hope, of light here. Yeah. And it's coming at all angles, man. They're like, they're, they're grasping at whatever they can to make it seem like, and again, it's not all black and white. Yes. There has been people that have been harmed by this in in many ways. That's the other piece of it too, is the psychology behind it has now influenced people to believe that anyone who brings up questionable or justifiable questions, raises justifiable questions pertaining to this doesn't care that people die. That's not the case whatsoever, but they're grasping at whatever they can to make it seem like this is the end of the world, right? <laughs> yes, and people are behaving. Um, well, in my area, it's not that bad. But um, yeah, certain parts of the world, like 
dude, we have friends in um, Victoria, Australia, man, that are yeah, seriously hurting from this right now. And it's unbelievable that, uh, and no disrespect to anyone who's, you know, passed from, from this thing, but for the amount of people that pass and the measures that are being enforced, it makes no sense to me. Like, it's, no. seriously, I, I pray for the people in uh, Victoria and Melbourne. Do you, do you think like on an individual psychology level that, that many people, that most of the people that are sort of willfully complying and, and, and going into these, I guess, just willfully complying are just in deep, deep, deep perpetual states of fear that they're addicted to? That's an interesting question because um, I have, I have a client, right? She mm-hmm. suffered from anxiety, depression, and any negative, like fear-based, you know, condition throughout her whole life, right? She's been seeing, she's like 26 now and think, um, you know, up until, and I met her when she was 19. So she's been seeing a psychiatrist forever, right? And she once told me that based on the treatment plan that we had, uh, that I provided for her, she felt better. But she's very worried because she's not used to this. She's used to living in fear all the time. And that's somewhere within her comfort zone. So this new territory of feeling positive and better, she's not used to that. So honestly, man, it took probably another like six months for a year for me to convince her that it's okay to tread into new territory and experience something new. Because she just automatically assumes that something bad's going to happen. So yeah, I think that there are some people who... Um, it's um they're just more comfortable being in an uncomfortable state which it it it, it seems so like oxymoronic uh, so so paradoxical but i've noticed that there are people who um i don't know if addiction is the right word addiction basically means that you lose control over yourself to sustain a certain behavior pattern but i think some people are definitely dependent on a in this fear state it's for some reason it's more comfortable living this way than to step outside and question the mainstream narrative and say, hey, you know, this isn't that bad. You know, maybe there is hope for us and we could get to a better place altogether. I, don't, I think some people are very uncomfortable to think that way. So they're more comfortable following the rules and wearing the masks and, hey, I can't wait till the VHXX comes out so that I could be safe from this. Um, there are some people who are dependent on that thought process. I think, I think the, so like going back to the agenda that you're talking about, the VA triple X. Um, it's really interesting. And I think Brian Rose kind of touched on this in, in his London real podcast. He said he was starting to get censored a little bit once he started talking with like David Icke and other people, but it wasn't until he brought up VA triple X vaccine, VA triple yeah. X that that's when his platforms all were censored like crazy and, and, and so much threat to censor them. It's really interesting. Like I don't have a huge platform, right? I have 20,000 followers or something like that. But you and, got that in like a matter of like a couple of months, bro. Like dude, I, I had the help of my mom years. and you. <laughs> I had your, all of your help. I, it's not like I'm saying anything that's that powerful. That's why I say to my wife all the time, like, I don't really say anything that's that amazing. It's honestly common sense to me, but maybe to other people, it's like, wow, this is very like deep and uh, really well thought out. Wait, but, can you hold whatever you're about to say for a second? I got I to say something about you, man. Go ahead. <clears throat> so I was... I was so, you know, our, our mutual friend, Dr. Tommy John, right? I love that dude. I love yeah, yeah. him. So- he, he's amazing. Dude. He's a man. <laughs> so I talked to him pretty regularly, right? Yeah. And um, 
I told him, I was like, bro, I'm going on uh, Alex Zek's uh, podcast tomorrow. And quite frankly, this is like the most intimidating podcast because this guy is so fucking smart. He's like, oh, dude, Alec is really fucking smart. So <laughs> uh, my curiosity is like, it's interesting because it's like, it's almost like I get the news from you, your mother, you know, some of these other awesome influencers that we're connected with. And you're asking for my opinion. So quite frankly, I'm very honored that you're interested in what I have to say. But I look up to people like you, man. Like you're really deep and you got some really amazing posts, man. That Your posts are like, um, like you can't just like read it and just like like it and just move on. It's like your post is like, it's a post. You have a quote, but I'll stare at it for like a good five to 10 minutes and be like, wow, this, this guy put some like true like heart and thought and power into this this post so much love to what you're doing man there's a reason why you grew so fast really it's because of you i appreciate that that means a lot now i don't even remember what i was gonna say oh no i do remember remember what i was gonna say so it's really interesting going going back to my post i think my two most powerful posts were posts that i so the first one was i talked just, just made a brief post about the pharmaceutical industry uh, as and, and uh, the allopathic medicine model has harmed a lot of people with mm. pharmaceutical heavy um, sort of diagnose and then treatment. Give your example of stepping away from the allopathic model into an alternative model in healing. I have like 280 comments on that post. So it wasn't my post that was great. It was the comments. They were phenomenal, man. And I had like <clears throat> 3,600 likes or something and it was shared and everyone that was sharing, it was like, read the comments, read the comments. It was so powerful yeah. seeing those stories. The next day I shared another one that was like, uh, uh, vaccines can and do cause harm. Safe and effective is a blatant lie. And I, I went into just a little bit of the data and I was like, provide your example of vaccine injury. And that one, there was like 200 comments and it was really, it was, it was, dude, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, but also very eye opening of people giving their individual, I mean, by the nature of what I talk about, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a lot of those type of people follow me, right? That, that are right. sort of shamed, mocked, ridiculed, have nowhere to turn. Um, and it was a very powerful post because there's so many different examples of vaccine injury, vaccine death. And it, it was, it was pretty eye-opening, um, even to me knowing what I know, right? Just seeing all of them laid out and all of the very deep examples. The next day I made another post I got probably one eighth the engagement that I usually get. And then I looked at how many people were viewing my stories. And it's usually around like 2,500 that view my stories by after 24 hour period, it was only like 1100. So it wasn't until I started speaking about VA double X that I started being shadow banned to a certain degree as well. Bro, do you know, um, Grace Vanderkamp? Yeah. I like her a lot. She's yeah, awesome. she, she, she's awesome. And then there's this other lady. Um, she's not as big, but I follow her account, but All Natural Autumn. But they've both messaged me mm-hmm. saying that they've um, gotten censored um, and algorithmically punished for speaking about like um, um, immune boosting supplements, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. Like, I mean, so yeah, I think a lot of people are getting hit by this, you know, uh, for sure with the, with the censorship. And it's, um, it's really saddening that this is actually like, we li- I wake up and I'm like, I live in fucking America, you know, and freedom of speech is our basic 
Right. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people are in like a state of cognitive dissonance right now, but even people like you and I like are in a state of cognitive dissonance for, for a number of reasons. But like <laughs> when I step outside and I, I go to a store and everyone is wearing a mask, I just wonder what these people are thinking. Like what is going through each of their individual minds? Are, are they wearing a mask because they truly believe that it helps? Are they wearing a mask because they believe, because in some situations it's unavoidable or they won't let you in. I know you've probably experienced that as well. I mean, didn't you almost get arrested? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So for your audience, just real quick, um, you know, I, I decided to make a stand after getting inspired by one of your posts or probably your mother's post or something. She <laughs> always gets me riled up. And uh, I said, fuck this shit, man. You know, so I actually went to this tennis club. My kids were in lesson. There's like no one there. And the tennis club uh, manager, I, you know, he, he's just doing his job, you know, but ultimately I said, look, I have a medical condition that forbids me from wearing this mask. He wasn't hearing that. And yeah. then he, he actually called the cops on me. I, I didn't think that he was going to go that far calling the police. And then, of course, when that happened, you know, everyone else, else came and they, sit around me, formed a circle, recording it and all this crazy shit. And then um, one of the guys even said, we stand by what you believe. And I said, motherfucker, this isn't a matter of belief at this point. No. This yeah. Facts. So it was an ugly experience. And um, it actually made things very uncomfortable in the household. Because my wife was like, now a whole community knows about this shit. And I was like, well, well, good. You know, I'm making a stand. And she's like, no, that's not good. Because now our kids are going to be made fun of. And, you know, it's just embarrassing that if I go out to a restaurant, like, People know who you are. So it, it's kind of weird, man, like this, this whole thing. I'm not that sure what the proper way is to uh, awaken people because, you know, like I'm sure you know, bro, like our country is like so divided right now. Right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, um, it's how do I figure out a way to unify people and help enlighten people to some of the things that are going on without offending them and getting them to automatically dismiss it. I think the yeah, posts you're making know. lately, like I, I remember you reached out to me like a month and a half ago and you said something along the lines of like, I'm trying to do better to help make posts that unify people, um, mm -hmm. that, that, that help empower people to step into their power. Cause that's, that's one of the main things about this at the core of what I would say, the sort of mind, body, spirit, wellness space that we would typically fall under. Right. Which, that, I know that sounds super woo woo, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but that, that space of people, I think the ones who are truly about it are trying to help people understand their individual power. Like mm -hmm. even, even like the thank you body rally that, that Kelly and Sayer developed, that's amazing. And that's an example of people, them helping people to understand their individual power. I think that's what it has to start with. It has to start with people recognizing that they aren't weak. They don't need they don't need to be afraid of some external thing. Obviously they need to do better about nurturing their body and providing their body the right environment and being more mindful, but it's about individual empowerment. I right. Right. And, and also piggybacking on that. I mean, if we're talking about uh, Kelly and Sarah and, and even your mom who, who I consider a hero um, and then chef Pete Evans, these guys, like the audience has to ultimately question the intent behind these posts like what do we do you know when, when they post something like this what is it they're trying to make a dollar off of you like they're trying to empower you man like they're, they're giving they're so it's 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 um it's sickening uh when i i think uh, there was an article that was written about uh, against kelly you know um i think it was um, in the medium or something yeah and she, she shared awful. it with me and it's like 
question the intent behind uh, this lady's actions. You know, mm -hmm. she's trying to help. I mean, kind of like me, I'm trying to help people become their number one doctors to heal on their own. So, man, if 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 you step back and like think about that from a macro example, right? You have the media who seventy percent of their advertising comes from an industry that is trying to get you to think that you're weak so that you will be more willing to accept the measures that they want to promote versus us who are being heavily censored, mocked, ridiculed, ostracized. Um, our families are in, to some degree, right? And we are trying to help people for no financial gain, help people understand that they are powerful. How much money did you make off of IG so far? I haven't made a Nothing, dude. If anything, <laughs> if anything, I've lost money because I've spent so much time trying to help people understand their individual power, right? Like time, I mean, exactly, man. time is money, man. I'm spending time trying to help people understand their power. So, Absolutely. Bro, I took a day off of work. So I used to work four days a week, right? Because mm -hmm. if I work five days, like my brain would just fry from hearing people's problems and stuff to, uh, for too long. But I used to work four days a week and now I'm working three days. I took an extra day off to really focus on uh, social media and creating awareness. Mm -hmm. And my wife will ask me this all the time. Like, you know, um, it's not like we need you to work more to make more money here, but what do you stand to gain out of this? Because so far a lot of negative things have happened to you. Mm -hmm. And well, the, the positive is that I got connected to people like you, like like-minded people that I would have never met. Right? Tommy John said the same thing. It's, it's so that, that's one of the biggest positives about this. Right. And um, it definitely helped me overcome my fear of public speaking. Um, you know, at, at least uh, speaking in front of a camera, <laughs> you know, that's something that I was very nervous about for a very long time. And, and now you see me going on IG lives all the time talking crazy shit, right? So um, there, there are a lot of positives to it too, but um, ultimately there are um, a lot of negatives in terms of like my credibility, even in my community, man, like, um, so I own a group medical practice with my partner called Modern mm -hmm. Behavioral. And it's like a holistic behavioral health, mental health practice. And um, I had a talk with my partner the other day that, hey, uh, Jasmine, moving forward, you have to be the face of Modern Behavioral because I think if I continue to be the face, we're not gonna do well. You know, mm -hmm. you have to step up and become the face because you're kind of neutral, you're Switzerland to all this, mm -hmm. but I'm speaking up on this. And I think a lot of people are unhappy about it. So that's the kind of shit that I'm dealing with. But you know, um, as a very spiritual person, uh, I, I follow purpose, I follow my passion, and um, I believe that people like you and me and some other people that we know are somewhat of a vessel to a greater message. Mm -hmm. And I'm following that, man. But I will say that it takes strength, a tremendous amount of strength to keep believing that, um, that I could uh, keep moving forward in this path without some crazy bad shit happening. Like I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward based on pure faith. Yeah. that uh, something great will come out of all this. But so far, it hasn't been fun, bro, to be honest with you. No, I, I feel you. I mean, experience. what? this is actually a great segue into a question of like from a very individual solution based. So all of us, even no matter how spiritually connected we are, no matter how mindful we are, we all struggle, right? Especially in this day and age. To, to varying degrees, we struggle mentally. What are some steps from a psychiatric perspective, but also from your individual beliefs that people who are really, really, really struggling with what's going on can take in order to help move into a better spiritual, mental, and physical state? Uh, what, what they can take? Like what consider? step? No, what steps oh, can they okay. do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So what can they eat? <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, this is a great question. So what I usually tell clients, so man, this, this is, I love this question, by the way. Um, so what I pretty much universally tell everyone is to focus on the four basic pillars of mental wellness here. And like we, like I you know, mentioned a little bit before, number one is we got to put some energy into sleeping right. So if I could just go through this step by step. So the four pillars, one is we got to put some energy into sleeping right. I recommend about six to nine hours of sleep. Some people say, oh, that's baloney. I could sleep about five hours and get away with it. And maybe that's, they're the exception. But most people, I would say you require about six to nine hours of sleep. Optimally target about eight hours um, because that's the amount of time that your body requires to go through different phases of the sleep cycle, stage one, two, three, four, and REM, rapid eye movement sleep. And then you need about you know, six to nine hours for that process to go through about uh, four to six times. So what, it's not good for someone to sleep at midnight and then wake up at 8 a.m. the next day, and then the next day sleep at 9 p.m., and then wake up at like 5 a.m. And, and have like this super amorphous sleep cycle. Like keep that consistent about eight hours. So that's probably the most important in my opinion. Um, two is we have to learn to eat smart. Um, I, I focus with a lot of people who are in the recovery community, who are recovering um, drug addicts and so on. And it's amazing how most people believe that once they stop using a drug, all of a sudden they won. It's all good. A lot of people relapse. Most people, I, I would say greater than 50% of people who complete rehab um, relapse within the first six months after treatment because they don't know how to eat properly, you know, and, and the kind of neurotransmitters that help balance your brain, like serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, GABA, they all come from the food choices, you know, and uh, if you eat uh, donuts three times a day and you, you keep living like that for, for months and months and months, you're going to feel pretty shitty. So uh, we got to make conscious efforts to eat like real foods, right? So follow Chef Pete Evans. I mean, he has terrific, you know, paleo recipes and uh, at the very minimum, stay away from this processed junk bullshit that people are buying and eating on the dime. Three is um, we got to learn to, I used to say we got to exercise, right? Exercise rights. And I could see from your body, man, you're, you're pretty diesel. You're in tremendous shape. <laughs> what, I don't know about that, but thanks. A lot of people don't um, exercise, the, exercise the mind properly, meaning like you got to figure out some way to stimulate the mind, experience new things, figure out new ways to have fun. Like my kids and I, we play ping pong all the time, but now that shit's getting boring. So we got to figure out some new ways to connect and experience something new and stimulate ourselves. So now we're reading more. That's our new thing. Um, so exercise the mind and body, right? But the last part, this is where it gets really tricky right now with this whole Sharona madness, because I would say you got to connect right, connect with the right people. Because, you know, man, you could have like awesome friends, but you have that one toxic motherfucker in your life says the wrong thing. And it could like really drain you, man, these energy vampires and stuff. So my big thing is cut these motherfuckers out of your life. I mean, they might be uh, your homies for the past 10 years, but if they all they do is drain your soul and your finances and your and your mind body wellness journey, then you know, you got to um, do a cost benefit analysis and cut certain people out. Um, so connecting with the right people is absolutely integral in terms of one's uh, mental wellness journey. It, but because now with this whole mass um, debates and the social distancing measures, it's really hard to connect with people the way we used to. Yeah. You know, if I cut off certain people and I want to connect with something, someone new, it's really hard to do that now especially with the mask. Like it's like a whole symbol of like disconnection there. So 
I would say that we should um, at least now take the time to learn to reconnect with ourselves. Uh, I'm really big on, on meditation and spirituality. Yeah. So connect with your soul, yourself, connect with a higher power and with the people that you're living with. Um, uh, I believe you're married. Yes. I, I recommend everyone to at least give their loved ones a 12 second hug. You know, this is something that I learned from a, from a very brilliant um, psychotherapist who said that 12 seconds is the minimum amount of time that's required when people hug each other for positive loving energy vibrations to be exchanged between the two. And it's amazing, man. Like me and my wife just doing that 12 second hug every day uh, might've saved our marriage during this whole uh, madness. So mm -hmm. that's something that I would recommend for all you, uh, all the listeners out there to practice connecting with your loved ones in that way, at the very least. This physical touch is so important. And um, it's um, this whole Sharona madness has blocked our ability to really move forward in that direction. Man, and the, the psychology and the psychological manipulation behind that, right? Like the, that many people don't realize the subconscious and the soul level importance of, of human touch and human facial interaction, especially yeah. for kids. And that's, you're so spot on, man. It's so, so, so important, especially right now when it's being limited in so many ways. So. I mean, they've done studies on monkeys where, um, they would have the surrogate mom, the, the metal wired mom, and um, they grow up crazy, you know, it, yeah. when they don't have a uh, touch. So absolutely, it's critical. And right now, um, you know, so many people are, are uncomfortable. And we've been trained to believe that being uncomfortable is, for some reason, not right. And that is associated with some sort of a disorder. So I'm here to say that... Um, I don't know anyone that's ecstatic with life right now other than Bill Gates, his wife, uh, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> the Chinese government, you know? So aside from those motherfuckers, I would say most people are uncomfortable right now and doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Just that, um, hey, you know, we just have to be really good at learning. Uh, we have to step up our game and learning to adapt. It's, it's such an important key critical component of uh, being successful in your life, learning to adapt to bullshit and changes. That's what makes... Uh, people very successful in life. And I don't measure, uh, measure that by money. I'm just saying having an awesome quality of life, you got to learn to adapt. You can't do amazing things in life without overcoming some bullshit along the way, you know? Yeah. 100%. I always say this too. I said this on another podcast. I'm going to sound super repetitive, but, um, trauma, cause I experienced quite a bit of trauma growing up. Right. And like everyone's yeah. in, in some sort of, I would say 99% of people again, except for like Bill Gates and those fucks, but, uh, <laughs> everyone's experiencing some sort of trauma right now. Right. And yeah. trauma is, if you let it be, if, if, if you really let it be, can be an important catalyst towards positive change. Right. Mm -hmm. I always look at the way that I grew up, which was extremely traumatic. Mm -hmm. I look back on it and say, wow, that was very important because it, uh, it was a important catalyst in my life to propel me into the space that I am right now. And everything sort of came together. And I, TJ, Tommy, John, and I were talking about this. Is like, seems like it all happened so that I'm able to successfully navigate what's going on right now, and then sort of project what's going on up in my head to other people to help them navigate what's going on right now, help validate them or help empower them. Kind of a mix of both. So absolutely. I'm, or, or maybe a better example would be, like, look at someone like your mother, Ali Zach. She is one of the most powerful women that I know. Mm -hmm. She went through hell. 
My God. And as a result of that, those, the, those collection of those experiences, now she has the power to influence so many people, man. Every single time, you, you know, I don't even look at likes anymore. I, I look at the comments, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the new likes. Every single time your mom posts something and she's like a machine, she's posting like two, three times a day. Yeah. And uh, it's really impressive how she could post something without ever showing herself or, or barely. She might mm-hmm. show herself every once in a while, but um, your mom will just post something and the amount of comments and the, 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 like the num- number of shares, like obviously people are moved by that. She's mm-hmm. influenced so much, so many people around the world. So kudos to the Zek family, man. You guys are, uh, you guys are one powerhouse right there. Changing <laughs> the world one, one person at a time, seriously. Thanks, brother. Um, you are too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the whole like sort of group that we've like connected with throughout all this. That is such a, such a positive through this very seemingly negative situation. Um, Speaking of the group, are you, are you going to be uh, flying out to Miami? No, I won't be able to. Man, we're going to go Gangnam Style there. We're going to have a Gangnam <laughs> Style peace rally. Uh. <laughs> I wish I was able to, dude, but I don't think I'll be able to. I don't think I'll be able to get off work, unfortunately. So I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. I want to try to um, – so, so because so many of, um, of our friends are going to be there, I want to try to come up with like this – like a skit. Um, it's it's – I don't want to give it away, but I want, I have an idea for a skit. I was uh, brainstorming with Dr. Tommy John, like, yo, wouldn't it be awesome if we did a dude, skit like this? Any, uh, any, any conversation between you and Tommy John, I do. I wish I could just be a fly on the wall listening to that. Cause like, I know my conversations with you and how they are. I know my conversations with TJ. So yeah. it's like, I'm sure yours are like really similar to ours. So I'm sure this let's skit just say that, be awesome. Let's just say I want to take it like, 80% Tommy John was like 99. We got to go fucking all the way with this shit. So I don't know. I got to pitch it to Kelly Brogan and Sarah. I don't know if they would be comfortable doing uh, doing shit <laughs> like this, but let's just say it would be vastly inappropriate. So I got to, I got to talk to the queen and ask if she's willing to uh, partake in this, but we're game planning right now. I got an idea. Man. Well, all right. Well, do you have any uh, sort of like parting comments or anything um, that you can think of? If not, yeah, uh, for, for, the, for the people who are listening to this, um, I would just say that psychiatry, I love the field of psychiatry, but the way that it's being practiced in, the, in, in our country, I, I can't speak for other parts of the world, but in our country, uh, I don't fully agree with. And um, just because you're not comfortable doesn't mean that you have anything wrong with you. It's actually normal to feel uncomfortable during these times. And I'm asking you guys to all step up your game and learn to adapt. And just because some doctor that you've met for about 15, 20 minutes says that you, and labels you with something, um, that does not mean that you have that. <laughs> um, always trust yourself to be your number one doctor. That's my big thing. Become your number one doctor. You are the CEO of your health um, until proven otherwise. And if you meet a doctor and they're, I wouldn't, I'm not recommending that people go out to their doctors and not trust them, but allow them an opportunity to earn your trust. And how that happens is by them giving you results. If they say, hey, you should eat like this, you should hang out with these kind of people, sleep a certain way and exercise. And if they give you some good advices based on your needs and you feel better and you get better, um, then I think it's only fair that that doctor earns some more of your trust, you know, and that that relationship should ultimately be a partnership between the doctor and the patient. The doctor might have more medical knowledge than you, but fuck that. Like you, ha- you are the doctor, you have the PhD in your own life experience. So 
you and the doctor have to be um, research partners and come up with a plan together. So if some doctor's saying, this is what you need because this is what's wrong with you, fuck that shit. That's not the kind of doctor you want to connect with. You want to connect with someone who's willing to listen to you, gather data from you respectfully, and come up with a treatment plan together. And because you spend most, time, most of the time with yourself, always trust yourself first. Become your number one doctor and allow the doctor to consult you and assist you on your uh, mental wellness journey. That's the best thing I could say to your, your peoples. Oh, dude, I love that. That all, that all goes back to individual power and, and trusting, using your intuition as a guide when uh, d- discerning whether or not this is the acceptable measure for you to take, right? That's, yeah. God, that's so, so needed right now. So, well, if you want to let anyone know like where they can find you on Instagram, uh, sort of just give the spiel on your advertisements. I covered it in the intro, but I'll let, let oh, them yeah, hear it yeah. again. Um, my IG is JoeYeeMD. It's J-O-Y-I-M-D. Uh, would really appreciate um, your support on that. Um, I, I just started a YouTube channel. Channel. It's it's nothing yet, but it's a Street MD. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm, I'm done with TikTok. So fuck those guys. <laughs> but uh, that's all I have going right now, man. And um, uh, if you guys want to check out a little bit more of the mental wellness supplement line that I've launched uh, a couple months back, it's called BeyondRecovery.com. It's for my, um, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's a mind body wellness supplement and we're really focusing on the recovery community and the mental health community. So beyondrecovery.com. So nice. Man. Thank you for allowing me to plug that. Yeah, absolutely. Shameless plug. Of course. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. No question. Oh, an hour but... already. Damn, man. It went yeah, really fast. Now. I know. That's how the conversations okay. with, with you go, man, is you're so easy to talk to. It's so free flowing. So Really appreciate Thank you for you taking on. it easy on me, Alex Zach. I appreciate <laughs> you, man. I just ate dinner before this, so that's why I'm taking it easy. I got to let my stomach settle, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we'll Love see you, you later. Brother. Love Thank you, you so too, much. man. Be well. Bye.